Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars. Hello, Saxon Jackson. I'm Tom Allen at Weber on the board. SP Futures up nine, I'm sorry, down 975. Dow Futures down 55. NASDAQ Futures down 42. We're starting the morning at least uh, a little bit down. We have a, we've had a Bitcoin rally over the weekend. We've had... A huge rallies over in uh, the Hang Seng and other places, uh, and we are we rallied last week as well. The question is, are we are we out of the are we out of the box, and are we ready to have a big year? I don't know about that. Time will tell. Brennan, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, Chief. What's uh, what's a good word? Did you have a good MLK day? Uh, you know, my new lifestyle is trying to de-stress and take things very easily. So yes, it was a, a relaxing day. Um, how's I that working work out? Some, with some clients, and um, uh, it it was a, a nice, relaxing day overall. How do you de-stress with clients? How do I de-stress with them? Yeah. Well, I go through some holistic stress management techniques to have them calm down, and I also calm down as part of it too. It includes things like, um, you know, talking about well, even ecotherapy, taking a walk through the park, even on a rainy day. Bob, do you do gummies first? <laughs> no gummies, no, uh, no no cannabis of any sort. It's just uh, relaxation and uh, using all five senses to to try to just relax on and uh, take things in. If I walk next to you, would I hear the uh, mm, like they used to do? No, I don't have a mantra like that. Uh, I, I just uh, pay attention to what's going on around me. Um, in the city, I'm not so sure that that would be all that relaxing, but you know, I guess you could do that. I mean, could you be relaxing like kind of like the Dan Ryan or someplace? <laughs> well, see, that's one of the stressors, driving, uh, especially on Chicago expressways uh, and many streets, is very stressing. So try to find atmospheres where it's it's not quite so stressful. Well, I've, I've got one. It helps me up in the woods. It helps, I have to admit, it helps me up in the woods where we can watch birds at feeders, although um, Dan was looking out the window yesterday, uh, Sunday, and a hawk swooped down and got one of the birds on our bird feeder and uh, was using the ground below the bird feeder as its picnic table. Uh, <laughs> those guys are nasty. There's a, there's a there's a bunch of them up by Audrey. And uh, there's actually a couple of owls. God, those guys are huge. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, yeah, and they don't mess around. I mean, uh, I was <laughs> driving to get gas one, one morning about 7 o'clock, and I saw some one guy swoop down and grab, snatch some bird out of a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're, actually, there was a wild story about uh, a hawk picked up somebody's dog, and this is in Orland or someplace, and was, you know, just it never even broke broke stride. Well, somehow or another, <clears throat> the dog must have been such a pain in the ass for the the hawk. 
The clock dropped the thing, and two miles away, some people <laughs> called up and said, hey, we, they must have went to get, went and got the chipper, had to stole the collar on. Hey, we got like got your dog, and the guy was a little rumpled, but he was he was okay. <laughs> he must have been wow. ap- he must have really been nipping away at that hawk. <laughs> he sure must have, and you know, some birds like hawks actually kill their prey that way. They bring them to a really high height, not if they're prey or, or birds, but if they're prey or smaller animals. They bring them up quite high and then just drop them, so that when the animals hit the ground, they splat and, and die, and then they go back down and eat them. Well, somehow or another, this. Uh Little dude got away. Audrey almost got. I think she would be as funny as it sounds. She might have she'd been hurt pretty bad. But she used to ride her horse. She and one of her friends are, you know, just trotting along, not even trotting, just kind of walking along on this field. And all of a sudden, she hears this bird like making all this racket. And this big, huge fish misses her by like two feet. It was, uh, what do you call those guys? I don't know. I can never tell the difference between the the egrets and the other ones. The one that fly with their feet down, the ones that fly the guys. Aaron? Yeah, I don't know which one was which, but. He dropped his his fish, you know, his, his daily. He was all happy with the fish, and he, was, <laughs> and he was all pissed off, but it almost whacked her on the head. It, she's like, hey, you almost hit me, you idiot. <laughs> Anywho. Um, it, it sounds really funny unless you're the one who almost got hit in the head with the fish. Well, yeah, but if it's, if it's a, you know, a couple-pound fish, I mean, you could that'll leave a mark. <laughs> you know I, mean? I know. That's why I'm saying it's <laughs> funny unless you're the one who was almost hit by the fish. <laughs> God, that would, that would have startled a horse, I think. It would have hit the horse. But uh, yeah. any, I'm not much. I don't know much about horses other than you can bet on them. But Audrey loves them, you know, up close and personal. Uh, I never get into that much. But uh, anyway, some people do. A lot of ladies really are into horses, you know. So guys are too. But I mean, anyhow, it's it's a whole it's a whole subculture that group that hangs out at the barns and you know they're all buddies and whatever. It's were you ever into that or was Val? Nope, neither one of us was ever into horses. And Val grew up in Iowa. She was in a small town in Iowa not out on a farm. So she was not much for horses. And um, they didn't have very many horses on the south side of Chicago. Uh, now, no. I know that in places like Orland and some of the southwest suburbs, there are farms and, and uh, ranches where they've got some horses, but uh, not not around St. Leo or St. Killian Parish. Uh, <laughs> Odd was a nut form in early age. Her dad was constantly taking her to places where they had pony rides and stuff at age like five and six. I don't know. I don't know. Some people are just, you know, I guess they're into it. I guess some people are into baseball at an early age too. I guess. What? Uh, what I was I was going to ask you. We we you know we haven't talked that much about uh, sports lately. I mean, we have. I sent you the article regarding uh, this. This is really why Brennan is all happy this morning. The richest one percent of people amassed almost two thirds of the new wealth created in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So Bren- Brennan being one of that. Brennan being one of those people is actually very well, even wealthier than he was, being the richest one percent. <laughs> um, that's how do you, uh, you know, just from an economics, from a stocks and jacks standpoint, and this is Maddie Weber question as well. Even you look at you know the CEOs of the world, which of course I wouldn't believe them if it, you know if they told me it was daylight out at noon, but uh, they're almost becoming like. I mean, are they just really politicians in those jobs now? I mean, do they really do anything to run a place, or are they just the face of the place, or are they all different? I, and I just, whatever. Uh, but my question is: Are, are the are the people in, in Major League Baseball, especially with these incredible uh, multi-year contracts they're giving people, are they are they missing the economic boat of the next five or eight years? I mean, are they? You know, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to the uh, one. I don't forget one year. Matty probably knows off the top of his head when the Cubs kind of signed uh, Soriano. I always mm-hmm. thought that the Cubs, 
didn't really mess up badly on the signing of the person. I think he was actually, he performed maybe slightly below what you would expect it, but he was here. He performed. He didn't get hurt that much. He was always a player. I mean, he started out as maybe a, a scale of 1 to 10, a 7, and dropped down to a 6 or 5, but he never was bad, and he never made any disgrace to the place or anything. Just that it, over that period of time, whether it was 6 years or whatever it was, Eight years. Eight yeah. year, the eight million dollars a year, instead of becoming, you know, twelve or thirteen, would be the average at the end of that eight years. It, it got to the point where you could get a lot of outfielders for four million, and it just was a. Yep. It, it was an economic time period misjudgment. Not saying I would have done it any differently, but that they did. And I'm wondering if now, if if people with the twenty five mil a year being the average price now for these guys, I wonder if they're you know with the idea being. Six, seven years from now, you know, a, a seven on a scale of one to ten or even a six shortstop is going to cost 25 mil. I wonder if these guys are seriously looking at their own checkbooks and thinking everybody's are like that because I, I think they're way off on this prediction. But Well, I think they're way off too. And it's very interesting you mention that because take a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf who does not believe in long term contracts and, and for pitchers. And I mean, his philosophy is. That you don't want to sign a pitcher to more than a two or three year contract because you don't know what's going to happen with their arms. By the way, I'm a great especially really if well. you're looking, especially if you're looking at a pitcher who's been around for a couple of years and yeah, they may have had a, a great early career, but you don't want to take a risk on them after more than two three years out. Um, and, and it's also interesting when you look at what just happened with the White Sox pitchers that they just set an arbitration, for example, with uh, Luis Giolito for I think it was ten point seven five million. In Dylan Cease for five point seven three million. Now, comparing Dylan Cease to Lucas Chilino for the last couple of years, I think those numbers should clearly be reversed. When you look at uh, Cease and the upswing what he did done last year, um, compared to Chilino, who had really one really fantastic year. Um, but you, you know, when you look at the numbers, they are mind-boggling. And then you look at you know guys like uh, like well, the four shortstops that were just signed for. 10, 11, 12 years, except for Correa. You know, he, he, had, he had three contracts uh, in, what, three weeks? <laughs> because they didn't want to keep, they did not want to gamble on him 10 years out because of the condition of his knee. Which Brian, is very interesting. Brian, you got to move, to a, you gotta move to a different spot in the room. You're, you're, I thought it was his, uh, I, you know, I hate to interject because you're, you're usually 100% right. Uh, I thought it was his ankle or something that he hurt in like high school or something but they was some bizarre it was it was fine now but they thought it would come back in less than 10 years or i thought wasn't that the story yeah. Eddie, or was it his I it was his ankle maybe it was his ankle i, I don't remember that where it was but it, and i don't think it was in high school i think it was just a few years ago that, that okay. uh, when he was playing ball in the major leagues that uh he had an injury and they weren't sure there were calcium deposits or something that they saw in the physical yeah, yeah. and they thought yeah he might be okay for this year and the next couple of years but when you get out seven, eight years, he's you know, barely walking or, or certainly not able to, to move to his left very well. Um, so they didn't want to take the risk. But you know, he he went down from like three hundred fifteen million to three hundred five, and then two eighty nine or something like that. I mean, the numbers are still astronomical, but he kept going down in the duration of the contract and the dollar amount, the overall dollar amount. Well, the Mets just uh, essentially. But they shaved a year off it. They, 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 I thought they left the headline number the same. They just shaved a year off or something because of the ankle. Something weird like that. I mean, it was the same, essentially the same deal, but instead of eight, they gave him seven, Maddie, something like that. But he, 
He didn't sign with the Mets. Oh, well, he didn't give him anything. Well, who do you end up with? The Mets told him to, to kick twins. rocks. Yeah, so we went back, we back to, to the Twins. Went back to the team okay. that he started with the year before. Well, the, the first place offered him whatever, and then they said he didn't pass the fish. Was that? Yeah, the Giants offered yeah. him. It was the Giants. The Giants offered the Giants, him. Then the, the same day they announced that, he signed with the Mets, or had an agreement with the Mets, didn't pass the physical, and wound up a couple of days later with the Twins. So I think he ended up. I think he ended up with like a hundred million dollars less, or something like that. With yeah, the Twins. I'll have was, to look and, it up. And I think six years instead of thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was, they just they just shaved the uh, essentially the, the length of the contract. I think the, the headline number year one is pretty much the same as he started out. Uh, I, I I don't know. Maddie could check this, but I think that uh, that his average per year with the Twins is less than it would have been with either the Mets or the Giants. Uh, certainly, the duration of the contract was a lot shorter. I think it was the Giants were offering originally 13 years, the Mets 11 years, and they wound up with the Twins with six, is my recollection. Yeah, he only got a six-year deal with worth 105 million, and th- there's opt-outs after the first two seasons. Um, okay. Whereas his original deal with the Giants was 350 million. Right. So in guaranteed money, now the, the annual rate, I'd have to pull up the years and do the math. Um, the, but the guaranteed money, I mean, he's down, you know, 200. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I'm saying, I think it, the deal was that I, this year, I think they were all pretty much equivalent. The question was, how long was he going to last? The funny thing is, is the original contract the Twins offered him was 250 million bucks for a super long term deal. He turned that down, and then ends up after you know the Giants and the Mets fall through, and then every other team is like, yeah, we're good. Then he goes back to the Twins, and they got him for like half the price. Well, once everybody else started getting. Worried about him? Can you? I, mean, I don't know if the Twins have any shareholders or whatever. But if they did, even you know, those owners are pretty much on their own, and uh, you know they're like the knights of the round table. But even those guys, you say, well, everybody else is worried about him. So are we? Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, but, but but your your point, your your original question about you know how can the how can the sports owners pay these kinds of money? Where do they think the money comes from to pay the players? Ultimately, it comes from the fans whether you're looking at either TV contracts or uh, stadium revenue or the prices of tickets or things like the marquee network, it comes from the fans. And there is a disparity. You talked about the 1% making so much of the the gain in in money over the last couple of years. There's a disconnect. When you look at the the management of the Giants or the the Mets or the Twins paying that much money on a long-term contract, for a guy like Cora, um, you know, there is a disconnect between Joe Sixpack who comes to the games and really supports the team. Well, do they really, though? I guess that's the part that we, uh, you know, we, we have talked about on the show, maybe more when Maddie was here all the time. But, we, but uh, it's, you know, it, you know, one of my the themes of the show, I don't remember if we figured it out, but one of the themes is everything kind of depends on everything else. There really isn't much difference between us talking about stocks and the economy going forward and what Major League Baseball people are looking, trying to get 40,000 people every day, judging the health and where all that money's coming from, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's sort of the same subject. Right. And, and you wonder if these guys are seeing somewhat of a, I mean, I I won't say uh, what former, well, I hope he's not always going to be former, but member of the Stacks and Jacks team that was is actually... Uh, Reasonably close to Ricketts, you know, whatever that means. I mean, they're not buddies or anything, but I think uh, this person's wife, sister, introduced Ricketts to his wife in the, ble- in the bleachers or something. Um, anyway, some story, but there's, there's some connection. And the, the story there was 
But there are tickets that are available like every day, really like the best seats. That, like, you know, the head of AT&T or something can call and say, look, I want 10 of those today. And they pay basically out the behind for these seats. And it's, you know, it's maybe <coughs> uh, 200 seats that they keep off the market. Maybe it's 250, I don't know what it is. But, but there are, that's a somewhat of a reasonable percentage of the money they get every day. And uh, plus they have, I think the number that Ricketts mentioned was 60%, Maddie, could it be this high? 60, 65% of the people in the stands did not buy the tickets. The people that are actually sitting there. Um, that a lot of them are corporate seats, and then the sky boxes remain somewhat full because if anything happens, you got to have one at some level. Or I mean, I don't know what at the end of the year, you know, what the shareholders think if they ever even know if you didn't even fill the thing up how many times and wasted all the food. I mean, it's there's uh, you know your 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 first delivery. Certainly in Washington, you've got every lobbyist has to have one, right? I mean, uh, so I mean it's. There, there's there's all that sort of going on, and I think you're making. I don't know if you're really making the bet on the people in the second balcony or the the the, the, the uh, whatever you want to call it, the upper deck, um, splitting the season tickets even as high as they've become. I don't know if that's really what they're concerned about so much, Brent. I mean, you you want them there, like the studio audience, and it's a lot of money to you and me to buy the damn things. I mean, mine started out at four bucks in 1983, and they went to. 65 when I said the hell with them. And now I, I bet they're 90, even with the, the decrease this year. I mean, it's way ahead of any sort of CPI number. But I'm not so sure in terms of revenue that's a huge percentage. I mean, they, you want the place full. You don't want to look like there's nobody there. But by the same token, I did a full revenue scan. I think they're banking on these corporations never letting go of these seats no matter what. I mean, how many people have gotten rid of their hawk seats? Their corpse? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I had I'm fishing for the answer here. I'm, I'm ask, asking you guys. I don't. I, don't, I just wonder if, if their view of the economic world is different than what you and I might see, and if they're well, right for them. I, and I think it is still different because <clears throat> even if you're looking at things like uh, the corporate suites uh, and and holding those seats back for the AT and T guys who want to come in at the last minute, they're still passing on those costs to Joe Sixpack. You know, if if you've got a corporation embedded in their prices for their products, for their widgets, is what they're charging uh, to allow their executives to have a C-suite box uh, and really feel they're not far or, or uh, Washington, in, in Washington, D.C. And there's the disconnect. I mean, it, it's one step removed or two steps removed, but ultimately the fan base, it, it, because, I mean, quite honestly, I think that in many cases... The, the people who attend games in uh, in a skybox are not there to watch the game the way that the fans, the bleacher bums used to in, in the outfield at the Wrigley Field. They're there to schmooze, they're there to make deals, they're there to network, they're there to show that, that they are the in crowd, that they can be there. Um, and they're, yeah, it's a different type of fan base to generate income than. Um, than when Bill Beck on the White Sox or Bill Beck on the Cleveland Indians. Well, sure. I mean, I, I mean, I think some of it we've, we've talked this about it with Lou somewhere back in the I'm going to say late seventies, early eighties, maybe mid eighties. The idea of of uh, <clears throat> you know guys, five corporate guys going out, you know, some night spending a whole bunch of money at some place and getting bleep faced, basically. Uh, 
because it was a lot of drinking in those days. I mean, not that there aren't, isn't now, but that became kind of a no-no. But if you're going to a game, if there's a purpose for it, you can bring the same people to a skybox, and and it's sort of okay. In mean, the same way, in a, yeah. the the Bears stuff. I mean, I one of my you know acquaintances always say is in the in the business of uh, doing municipal bonds and so forth. And the place is jammed with politicians every Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has nothing to do with. You know, they're they're talking. This was eight, ten years ago. It was two grand a ticket, plus chow. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, you're not you're not bringing, you know, Mickey to mulp there just for you and your buddies, unless you're incredibly rich. You're bringing some guy and his family, maybe his wife and one kid. You're not bringing you know the whole family. You're bringing this guy because you think you're going to get involved in the next bond auction in the city of Chicago. And Absolutely, and you know, and these people will go. And, and but it's very difficult <clears throat> to bring that person. You can't just give them six grand. That's frowned on these days, and you really can't. Even if you took them to, you know, Gibson's or someplace, it's not really the same because then you know people see these guys out and whatever, and you know it, it, it's a lot easier to just have your skybox and move your people in and out of there. And it's mm-hmm. a, and it's a big deal. I mean, I. Uh, what my used to use an accounting guy at uh, got the firm is even around. It was one of the big eights. And I actually, the guy had uh, he was a golfer, and at the time every every partner got two two tee offs at uh, per year at at Butler. And I actually played Butler a couple of times. All the guy did was did my taxes, but he liked me. He liked, and I back then where I was a halfway decent golfer. I actually got to play, but he got two times a year to play at Butler. So everybody from ten to twelve at Butler, you saw. You know, three, four foursomes of this firm teeing off there with three of their best clients, and uh, I don't know how I got involved in that, but the other two guys were real clients. I was just a, a, a basically a, a plant, uh, and uh, so I mean that, that that's the deal. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, you're not going to go spend whatever a thousand bucks on a guy, but you can take him to Butler, you can get him a caddy, and you can have you know drinks afterward, and it's a thousand bucks, right? It's at least that at mm-hmm. Butler. But it, but it's all okay, you know, because you're with them, and it's the whole thing. It's not like you're sending them a gift or giving them cash or just getting them, you know, bleep faced at some bar. It's 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 an event. So yeah, and tax wise, it works. The IRS is much more favorable to it, right? Well, absolutely. And I know lawyers who uh, who work with firms, who are partners at firms, and there's kind of a structure that for networking, you know, if if. Uh, if I wanted to bring somebody out for coffee, I can bring co- people out for coffee all day long. But if I buy them dinner or I buy them uh, lunch, then I'm expected to get a deal out of that. If I take them to something like Butler, then I better get a pretty big deal out of it. Oh, yeah, you better come with a check. They're not, they're not going to reimburse me. You know? They're not going to let me take you and Manny out to Butler uh, three times in three years uh, if you're not going to give me enough to have an exponential return on the investment of Yeah, and I just, I'm curious when I see these numbers, two things are, that we're now talking about these players are making 25 times the minimum. So you've got that going on on these teams where you've got the, the top eight people are probably making, we're talking about <laughs> are, I just said the richest 1% of the people amass two-thirds of the new wealth. I'm going to say that the top 15 people that signed this year have just amassed two-thirds of all the increases in Major League Baseball this year. Same thing, right? I'd say that's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, it's probably probably very close, wouldn't you say, Maddie? Yeah. I mean, uh, so I mean, the question is how long how long can that go on? And uh, you know, and uh, you know, plus you have a situation where uh, you know, if you have one of these pitchers, you pay him that much, and all of a sudden the guy goes down. Well, all of a sudden, you know, whatever. Twenty-five percent of your salary is down with one guy. Maybe not twenty-five percent. Mm-hmm. Twenty, and that's an issue. The, the one yep. team, the one team, didn't we talk about it? I mean, Manny and I did a bunch of times. Wasn't didn't Houston, not Houston, Dallas, Texas? Maybe they're in Dallas. Didn't the Texas Rangers go totally a different direction for a while, where they had uh, instead of having you know fifteen guys making one million the minimum, and then the other guys making all the rest, they didn't they have like. 15 guys making 4 and 5 million where they tried to load the and for a long time that was real successful for them and I wonder they haven't been very good lately I wonder if they if they failed with that strategy or whether they tried a new strategy that didn't work I'm not sure well there were a couple of years where the Texas Rangers were World Series teams or close to World Series using that strategy yeah um, um, Ron Washington was their manager at the time it just it wasn't that long ago and yeah. so it worked for a while but you know everything is cyclical think about the money ball days for the Oakland Athletics when they found uh, they had a great scouting staff and they started getting guys before they become the superstars who wanted the 10 years, $315 million contract. Um, and they played that for a while until um, everybody kind of caught on and started doing something similar. So, I mean, all of these things are cyclical. Well, I, I, I would rather have a bunch of people of, you know, obviously a star is terrific. I mean, you, know, it's, you can't replace an Ernie Banks <laughs> or you know or somebody like that. But I mean, uh, or an LK line, it gives you that stuff every single day. Uh, but it's and you have other people around. I mean, baseball is more of a team game than maybe most people think. But I still, you know, you 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 do wonder. I'd rather have a whole bunch of people I could sort of count on, especially today. No, nobody plays 160 games, right? You know, I agree with you. I mean, it's. I mean, nothing is more of an example than you see this this football this year. And if anybody doesn't doesn't think that the seventeenth game now it shouldn't have been one game make that much difference, but maybe it's a straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know. But how many how many teams are limping into either the the postseason or the playoffs with on their third string quarterback or fourth? Or, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, there's guys. It's it's not how good your top ten guys are. It's almost as good as how good your bottom ten guys are. Mm-hmm. You know, and somewhere between fourteen games and seventeen, that happened. You know, I yeah. Anyway, Brandon, how about hanging around for a little bit? SP futures are only down six fifty now. Nasdaq futures down twenty four. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. And we're on the board. SP Futures down six and a quarter. We've been a nice run up in the market. So in the last couple of days, we've started down and we've finished up. So maybe we'll do that again today. NASDAQ Futures down 23. Top Futures down 76. Goldman Sachs just missed on earnings. Uh, but I've got the stack... Uh, it's only down, well, it's down 772%, so not horrible, but it's down a little bit. They claim they uh, uh, lost on, uh, I don't know, I was going to say insider trading. God, talking about a Freudian slip. Uh, they, they, and investment banking stuff was a little low, but uh, still, stock's still up there at uh, 366, so it's not a big hit. We're in Europe, we've got uh, the DAX down 6, call that flat. FTSE down 26.3%, CAC around down 9.1%, so... Very muted into the downside, a little bit to the downside, not much. Asia, which has been really moving, the upside, Nikkei up 316, that's 1.2%. Hang Seng down 169.8%, but still at 21,577. <clears throat> Again, I keep talking about the October low was 14.5, so it's up 50% from there. Shanghai down 3, uh, call that flat. Uh, it was a way of review all the way back on Friday. Dow was up 112, S&P up 15, NASDAQ up 78, so another up day. Not crazy, just just up. But we've been doing that a lot of days. Uh, bonds up three basis points, three point five four. These markets have calmed down a little bit too. Bond down 
one to 2.17. Japan up nine. Wow, get a little of this. We're supposed to be running from zero to 0.5, and they're at 0.59. So maybe either the government's letting up, or maybe they're going to raise that, let that run up a little bit more again. We will see. Oil up 44 cents, over 80, 80 dollars and 30 cents. Run up a dollar 11, 85.57. Natural gas up 32, 3.74. Our Bob unchanged at 2.53. By the way, uh, Maddie and and, uh, and Brendan, the price of gas is up 50 cents, 40 some cents, maybe like I'm pushing 15 percent in the last two weeks out in the burbs. So the big, the nice CPI numbers that we all celebrated. Because gas was down, they're going to come right back up next month. It sure looks like it right now. We've got gold down 580, but still over 1900, 1915. Silver down 13 cents, 24, 24. But a nice run on both of those. Copper down five cents, 415. We've got Bitcoin way up to 21,271, down 29 dollars today. And we have the U.S. dollar uh, actually up a little bit. Sorry, down a little bit. Is the euro is one or euro is 108? As high as we've seen that in a while. And a pound is up to 1.22. So the dollar has been slipping gradually over the last few weeks. <clears throat> Maddie, we have for us Travis Weather Sports. Coming up on 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a very quiet start here on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways. No accidents to report in the Chicagoland area here in the uh, 6 a.m. hour. So that's uh, great news as people, uh, a lot of people returning from the day off yesterday, corporate holiday. I, of course, worked, but a lot of people had it off. We are seeing some traffic building on the Bishop Ford coming in from the south side, also on the Stevenson around Cicero, but no accidents to report. Eisenhower looking good. Uh, Northside expressways are all quiet. Weather today, cloudy skies, mild temperatures, about 12 or 13 degrees above normal. Uh, we'll take that. Overcast with a high of 44 today. Right now it's mostly cloudy and 42 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 57. Right now it's overcast and 52. In sports, Bulls were off last night. They have a few days off, actually. They'll return to action Thursday night at Detroit. Suns played, and they were blown out by the Grizzlies, 136-106. to 106. For our hockey fans out there, the Blackhawks uh, are back in action tonight. They'll host the Buffalo Sabres at the United Center. That's a 7.30 p.m. Central Time puck drop. Coyotes were off last night as well. They'll host the Red Wings tonight at 7 p.m. in Phoenix. NFL playoffs, uh, the wild card week wrapped up last night with Dallas blowing out the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-14 to last night. So our divisional round is now set. It will be Jacksonville at Kansas City, followed by New York Giants at Philadelphia on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it'll be Cincinnati at Buffalo and Dallas at San Francisco. Uh, so uh, we, we have uh, four pretty good games there in the divisional round. Now where's the uh, Cincinnati-Buffalo? It's in Atlanta, right? Um, that will be at a neutral uh, uh, field. They, and pick, they end up picking Atlanta. I'm pretty sure they did pick Atlanta, yeah. I'll have to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure they picked Atlanta, but that's that's due to be the early game on Sunday. Lastly, real quick, College Hoops, Illinois blew out Minnesota 78-60. Chief. The, uh, they kept trying to go for Indianapolis, but evidently there was a, a conflict. In Indy? Yeah. Yeah, let know. me confirm it, but I, I believe I read the same thing you did. I would have thought uh, Cleveland or Pittsburgh, sort of in the middle, but evidently they didn't want to... Uh, they must have wanted it inside. They wanted it inside, yeah. Um, the other guys don't get to play inside. Just saying. But uh, so, Brennan, yeah, it's a. It is. But a, you think when they build the dome over Soldier Field, everybody will be able to use Chicago as a neutral site because it doesn't look like the Bears are going to be in the playoffs for a while. Um, they, can, they can use the Bears Stadium. I, 
I, I just, uh, I, I wonder how this, it, you know, the sports is definitely becoming the, uh, you know, the opiate of the people. Karl Marx is wrong. Uh, he thought he thought it was religion, right? Right. It's actually sports. Uh, you should realize from the gladiators, it was not religion; it was sports. Same thing. <laughs> just just saying. But uh, you know, the economics of it always always sort of fascinated me because it's it's different yet it's the same, Brandon. I just I, I just I'm I'm really stunned. I mean, we don't, don't want to go into this today, but the long-term deal with baseball and how their contract and the arbitration, how it's such an it's such an uh, economic embarrassment. And, and yet, because of the ego of the owners, it, con- it continually persists. When yet, economically, all it does, I think, is screw them up a little bit. But that's one man's opinion. I mean, uh, the idea that you, you have you know 5 to 10 or 15 people available every year that everybody bids on that can change essentially the course of the next season and then that price somehow becomes the price that everybody at least thinks is the price is so insane to me I mean if you ever took a third grade accounting class if you, if everybody was a free agent those those prices would actually go down not up the other people would probably go up and those would go down you actually might have a little more you know evenness in the game and, and, and well, I think part of, part of that equation that you're talking about is multi-year contracts and guaranteed income that you know people pay based on the best salary and anticipating that it's going to be that the performance is going to continue for a number of years, and so you lock it in just because of an inflationary value of the players. That you're right. I mean, when we started talking about this this morning, the disparity, the first name that came to my mind was Richie Hepner, the grave digger. And you remember how he got his name, the Grave Digger? Um, fill me in. I, I knew it one time, but I, I'm not going to recall it quick. His off-season job was digging graves in a graveyard. That's right. Wow. <laughs> he was literally a grave digger. He literally was a grave digger. <laughs> now, there was a guy who, you know, was a good ball player for a number of years with the Pittsburgh Pirates and had to supplement his baseball salary by digging graves in the cold months in Pennsylvania. And... You know, now people make the sports world, and, you know, it's generational wealth that their great-grandchildren will never have to work because of some of these long-term contracts. You know, I kind of like uh, uh, you know, the, the four shortstops that were up this year. None of their families are ever going to have to do much in generations because of their generational wealth. And that's just kind of the spirit. And I think it does put an ego that you know, since the owners want to win so much that they're willing to pay exorbitant amounts. The other part of that, and we you know alluded to with the stadiums, is when municipalities get into this with the ego too and figure we have to have a stadium, the latest and greatest stadium for the Chicago Bears or the Chicago White Sox or the Chicago Cubs or whatever the team is around the country and are willing to throw taxpayer dollars for economic folly because none of these stadiums really benefit the general public and the taxpayers. Um, I, w- I would absolutely agree with that, and yet. Uh, there's people that have a totally opposite point of view um, and can can somehow justify it on some... Well, they're obviously wrong. Well, I... <laughs> it, it, like I said, but it's like, Brennan, I think you've always been in this camp, and I'm, I'm getting to the other camp, even if I think the other side is ridiculous in their in their solution or their opinion. I'm trying to figure out why they... Uh, think the way they do and one of my clients um he's from minnesota uh, and uh 
you know, that, that, that whole Minneapolis group is a different way of thinking, but they they talked about their, their hockey team. <clears throat> and, uh, <clears throat> you know, of course, if you look at, you know, the, the hockey in, in Minnesota, it's a big deal, right? They were one of the uh, the, the first expansion, or they, they weren't the first expansion. No, they weren't. They were the second expansion, I believe. But they ended up, anyway, they got this team. So the team wants a new stadium, wants a new stadium, and they wanted this kind of money and blah, blah, blah. So the, 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 the mayor plays hardline. All right, so the guy ends up uh, losing the team to Dallas, correct? And aren't they Dallas's team now, Manny? Uh, the right, region. the Dallas they moved to Dallas. They're the Dallas Stars, not the North Stars. Correct. Right. So, right. Uh, so they moved to Dallas. So then, all of a sudden, the, the, the town is in an uproar. And I don't know. If, I don't know the politics of it, but somehow or another, they end up with a new mayor, I think. And then they decide to throw out the you know, whatever they have to throw out to get another team. I mean, they're basically going to go naked down the street to the NFL or NHL to get a team. So they end up with a team. So. This guy's point was, and it's it's well taken, even though I don't agree with the idea that we should be helping these people out at all. It's just another business. Uh, they he said that they could have kept the first team for whatever the number was, forty million bucks or fifty million bucks or a hundred, whatever the number was. And it when they let him go, it ended up costing them like five times that to mm-hmm. entice a new, a new team. So they were absolute idiots for not just paying the money to the first place instead of paying the. You know the, the the bribe or the or whatever the number was to the first team, and if you look at it that way, that the citizens, no matter what, no matter how high their taxes go, no matter what it is, some of them are willing to pay higher for everybody else for a hockey team that you were better off just paying the extortion to the first team instead of the second team. And if or you're, you're better off saying we don't need a hockey team that bad. Well, you and I would say that, <laughs> but but I'm saying. Nobody, as much as nobody wants to give the McCaskies a friggin' nickel, nobody wants to be the mayor that loses the Bears, either. So there's a, and 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 if if it ends up having to 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 charge the street guy another dime every time he goes in and buys a Coke at the Seven Eleven that he just that he just you know made money on or the homeless dude, if you end up charging that guy another dime, who cares? Mm-hmm. Because right now, how many people in Chicago even, even realize when they, if I, if I go buy a drink at Sirius tonight, I'm paying a half of 1% sales tax to play for Sox Park. People don't right. even know. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, that's abject stupidity. But, yeah. you know, that's... And that, that field, Sox, field, Sox Park was built in 1991. I mean, it opened in 1991, if I remember correctly. So here we are 30 years later, and we're still paying for that. Right. And if... Uh, and, you think about Soldier Field if the Bears move out, that was reconstructed in what, two thousand two, so here we are twenty years later. It's gonna not be paid off for another couple of decades and yet there's a chance of losing them. But if you uh, if you were if you came up at the mayor summit tomorrow and if you were running for mayor, who knows you might be Brennan under another name. I don't know. Of course now you're trying to chill, so maybe not. Uh, if you came up tomorrow and, and said, by the way, the uh, <clears throat> what's the the field out in uh, that Burbank. What the hell's the name of the town out there? Uh, we're, we're deciding. Oh, in Bridgeview. Bridgeview. If you were to say this thing was an absolute disgusto for the people in Bridgeview, if you were to go down, if you were to say, by the way, the Railcats Stadium in Gary was an absolute abortion for 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 uh, Gary citizens, if you bring that up in the mayoral debate, you just you just lost your chance. Absolutely, you, I, I agree completely. 
I, and yet, I, I understand that completely. Anybody who says we are, you know, we don't want to lose the bears, but we're not going to give them any, uh, is likely to lose the election because um, they know that that's not a realistic promise. Well, everybody and everybody, I think, realizes that they're, and I, and I don't know where, you know, it comes down to, a, you know, if if you're willing to have sex for a, for a million dollars but not for ten bucks. You're a hooker. We're just we know what you are. It's just the price. It's just the price. At, at some point, for any <coughs> for any business, and, and you know, I'm I'm about as rack ribbed as there is about this. Needs to be fair for all people because all of a sudden now you wonder why in this country, in my opinion, the big firms they seem to do whatever they damn well please, and yet the smaller firms, which we're now counting on to to hire people to bring back stuff from China to actually. Bring manufacturing back here. Those guys have been, they've been behind the eight ball for so long. Half of them don't even know how to expand anymore. They can't get, they don't have the financing. They don't have the, it's, it's, it's been, they've been down so long. It's, you know, it's not starting to look like up, as they used to say on the trading floor. But the advantages that these, that these people get, uh, Brennan, is just dramatic. And, and, and plus, if you don't ask, you don't get. But I, I don't, I really, there's this whole thing with sports, the hell with them, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, uh, they don't need those kinds of man. Didn't uh, is aren't the Washington Redskins? I'm sorry, the Commanders. Aren't they looking for another new stadium? How, how old is theirs? Fifteen years or twenty years? I mean, it's they just got one. They want another one. You know, it's it's to me, it's sort of insanity. But we'll have time to talk about this as time goes by. But I wouldn't give the Bears a dime. You know, but that's, that they pay, they pay six million dollars in rent, right? Yeah. So well, the other thing about the Bears Stadium is not only giving them a dime for the stadium, but not giving them a dime to build out their Bears Village around the stadium with the infrastructure and with the uh, shopping malls and uh, entertainment venues that will go along with that because that's the same thing as, as subsidizing the Bears for their stadium. Well, they want, they, want, they, want, they want us to give them a casino on top of it, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't. But by the same token, Brennan, you and I would not be, we'll let you go here in a sec, would not be so hard-headed that if, if you wanted to uh, uh, build, you know, some really nice factory, say, on the south side, that I wouldn't come up with the money for a railroad stop on the Rock Island by your place. Sure I would. I agree. I mean, that's just... That's just a different state, completely that's, different story. That, but, uh, you know, would I, would I, if you're willing to do some stuff that's going to attract people, would I give you the benefit of infrastructure where I, well, there's enough exits on the Ryan, but would I give you an exit on the tollway? The hell yeah, I would. If you're going to yeah. hire 2,000 people, why wouldn't I? Yeah, and if it's going to be used 52 weeks a year, uh, five days a week for a manufacturing plant, yes. And not to mention anybody else who just happens to be going that way. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would do that. So I'm not, I'm not like so rack-ribbed that I'm going to starve businesses. I'm just the opposite. Mm-hmm. But this this whole thing where we're going to give, but you think know. Think of how many small businesses could be impacted by the amount of money that the Bears are looking for or any sports stadium is looking oh, for. Oh, yeah. When you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, how many manufacturing plants, how many ramps to a manufacturing plant for railroad accessibility or truck accessibility could be done for the same amount of money, well, but rather than just using it for ten games a year? But you're not you're not going to go out tonight and wander into some bar. But if you did and had this argument, every one of the morons, I'm sorry, uh, people you run into would say, "Well, New York got a new one in San Francisco or L.A." L.A. has two teams in there, last time I recall. So does New York. So the last yeah. two big ones that were built were built for two teams, not one. So if, at least those guys have 20 dates instead of 10, right? 
Well, the other other thing is, I go back to something my mother said, that if all of your friends, because everybody does it, if all of your friends jump off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff too? Yeah, everybody's mother in the South Side had a line similar to that, didn't they? Yep. Unbelievable. So, Brennan, thank you very much for hanging around, bud. Uh, SP Futures down 13, NASDAQ Futures down 53. Maddie and I will continue on. We'll have uh, a professor at the top of the hour. So, Maddie, what do you think of all this? You've been quiet. <clears throat> Where do you think this all goes? Uh, it's a good question. <clears throat> I actually agree with you and Brendan uh, 100% on uh, not subsidizing uh, billionaire projects. <laughs> I, I, you shouldn't even have to explain yourself when taking that side. Uh, but I do. But I understand that, like you said, you don't want to be the mayor that loses the team. So you know, all of a sudden, Chicago's proposing a last-ditch effort of a 2.2 billion, some odd dollar uh, stadium renovation to to keep the Bears in the city. And and uh, who do you think's paying for that? How could you, how could you spend 2.2 billion dollars on that place? What are you going to do to it? Well, did you see the mock-ups? Well, they, they're not going to have any transportation there. They don't want anybody to be able to well, get. Well, they that. have in the mock-ups. They have a train going right into the basement. That's that's BS. We all know it's BS. Yeah, it, yeah. But in the mock-ups, they have this big, beautiful glass roof. So it's not like a classic dome, but it's still an indoor. But it's all glass, and so it has natural lighting coming in. Uh, you know who tried that? Who the Astrodome? They did try that originally. Yeah, and, and nobody, you couldn't see a fly ball in the daytime. <laughs> right. Well, that's when they, they 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 painted the glass. It was all glass. I guess for football, they're. Uh, they're not worried about fly balls, but you would think... You yeah, don't want to be the, the punt receiver. I wouldn't think so. Um, so, uh, and I know that the, the Minnesota Stadium and the Atlanta Stadium, the two newish stadiums, are somewhat different than regular domes. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so they had, I saw glass, you know, exposed glass, so they had natural light coming in. I saw a train, train station going right into the basement. They had, you know, beautiful sort of... Um, uh, things to do right around the stadium walking around and i'm like this is going to cost more than 2.2 billion dollars oh uh, yeah and, and what are you going to get for it i mean i, I mean i don't know what do you suppose i mean now that you're a huge executive and are thinking more like money about money than you ever used to what do you suppose the average i mean the bears given the uh the fact that you get a check somewhat equal to the salary cap from the networks None of that's going to change, no matter how much money you spend for the place, right? So the Bears have, what, 65,000 people they can put in there? Yeah. At X number of, of prices, of X number of, uh, they can raise the prices wherever they want. People don't seem to care. They pay it. So now all of a sudden you get a place that has 80,000. I don't know if they're planning on being bigger or not. And you have more scam. What is your, what, what is actually the, for the next $2 billion you spend, what is your actual revenue for the team going to go up? Is it, is it going to go up? It's not going to double. Is it going to go up, what, 20%? Yeah, I mean, they have the smallest capacity in the NFL, 61,500 61, at Soldier Field. Um, so, yeah, maybe you add 15,000 seats, um, so that goes up you know, 20%, like you said. Uh, and but then, do your prices come down because now there's more available or uh, not? Well, I, I wouldn't think so. Um, a lot of people think that uh, that... Chicago, a, a metro area of over nine million people, can support more than sixty-one-five for for eight or nine home games. They probably can, but it, at so, one hundred and fifty a pop. So, yeah, that's the question: is what is that number? I don't know if it's if it's raise it by twenty percent, and you still have the same demand to the point where you can keep ticket prices the same, or even raise them twenty percent along with it. Then you know maybe you can it, the numbers make sense, but I don't know what that number is. 
Um, yeah, I don't either. I mean, well, that's a, it's always an interesting number. And well, look, look what happened to the Hawks. I mean, when they went from the stadium to another what, three thousand seats in uh, the new place, all of a sudden you could get Hawk tickets, and down they went. I mean, for years the place was what sixty percent full till they got. Oh yeah, and uh, but, but. That said, you have a, a, f- a five, seven-year run of being really good, and, and they're the most expensive ticket in town. Even even though they've been bad the last several years, it's they're still an expensive ticket. Well, and, and you have, and again, it comes down quality to... Quality of play on the field, it, for whatever reason, people are willing to pay, no matter what the cost is, if the teams are good. The, the that, that I'm, I'm convinced of that. That's I, clear. We have the data to show it. I think it, it becomes a, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's like... Who's the, what was the professor in Chicago that, that talked about stuff being step functions? I mean, people think things are, are curves and lines. They become step functions, and it comes down to if uh, the Hawks, let's put this way, we, we, we both know a guy, our former, well, your former neighbor, still my neighbor, uh, that I see once in a while. Uh, his, his, say his, daughter, his daughter is married and has some money, and they love hockey. So their company has a has had season tickets to the Hawks for 30 years. They will not give them up. It, neither one of the guys has been to one game this year. So I think there's a there's a step function in where it's not so much whether or not uh, the team is good or not, maybe, but if they get to the point where you can get tickets any day you want without having to get them in advance for a year, all of a sudden the thing falls apart dramatically. And that's what happened to the Blackhawks when they moved. To the team happened to suck at the same time. And all of a sudden, you could get Hawk tickets that night <coughs> anywhere you wanted. But it's because they sucked. That's well, the but only I'm saying, reason. But it, but it, That's the it, only reason. But, but I'm, I'm trying to agree with you here. It takes a while. Until all of a sudden, why do I need the Hawk tickets? There's The place holds 20000 or 12000 every night. Why would I ever be the moron to buy them in, in advance? So what, once you get to that level, then you really have to, to fight like hell to get back to where you were. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Bulls obviously were at that level where, to the point where, you know, the first five years of the United Center, you had obviously Jordan and, and everything, and it was the hottest ticket in the world. Then he re- retires, and the team is awful for ten years. But they had such a backlog of interest, and I don't know what. Somehow they still led the league in attendance for like seven, eight years, and then they crashed dramatically, obviously, because you, you're bad that long, and you're trying to fill twenty-three five hundred for. 41 games and they fell off and you could get Bulls tickets you know pretty easily um and I don't know if they've ever fully recovered from that um but if they were if they were good again if if all of a sudden they got the next you know Michael Jordan th- they'd be right back up there and you wouldn't well, even it was, know they were it, down it was still an, an event because I went in one of those years when uh, uh Jimmy Tyree was still alive and somehow or another I ended up uh I'm gonna say they, they couldn't find anybody else but <laughs> That's a bad thing to say about yourself, isn't it? Huh. I ended up with the the seats. They had the the two seats where one guy sat on one side of not the, the folding chairs, not on the on the players' side, but the other side. He had the two right in the middle. That was like the best seats in the house. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, even though they weren't winning, I was I was happy to go that night. <laughs> of course, <laughs> but it was still an event. So the corporates. I mean, it's it's still. I mean, even today. I mean, the, the Hawks, as bad as they are, if if you, I mean, I'm sure there's families. Where you work, or maybe the kids play hockey, and if you called up one of your guys and said, "Hey, I would just like to take the wife and the two kids to a hockey game tonight," they're going to go. Well, anyone's going to go to something yeah. that's free. 
Well, yeah, but I'm so that's and, what. And skyboxes are always fun. You couldn't care less if the teams are good or bad. I mean, well, you know, who cares? The well, you just got to make sure you like the people there because you can't get rid of them. Right? Yeah, exactly. The, and you, you hope you have decent, decent spread because sometimes the food's not great. But sometimes it is great. Well, it's it's better than my story when I, I had to pay the guy cash for the hot dogs. Oh yeah, I remember that. Well, that's a that's a bad do. But you know, you got to be have the. But I'll tell you what, there, there isn't. Well, this is going to sound sexist. There isn't a girl on earth that doesn't like that dessert cart. Of course, they they bring the dessert cart around. That thing is unreal. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, and uh, you know, you buy your case of beer, and it's a hundred bucks or whatever. It was one hundred and twenty bucks. In that had to be in the eighties. So maybe it's two hundred bucks now. I don't. I, it's, it's I wouldn't same, even know. It's the same price as in the place. Yeah. Uh, so what is that now? What is what's a beer at the stadium? A beer. Um, Twelve bucks. I would say probably about twelve bucks, yeah. But right. you're getting the sixteen ounce at least. All right, so you're going to get a case of uh, Tall Boys, and it's going to be <clears throat> twelve times twenty four. What the hell is that? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> and they're going to, you know, that's that's real money. It is real money. <laughs> the only yeah, the yeah only that's di- what two hundred and eighty some yeah. dollars, two eighty two eighty eight or something. <laughs> but I, what I did it, the, the the beers were five bucks. So then you know this is back, you know, when five bucks was a lot for a beer. Well, you know, it's still what is it? you can buy a beer in a store for what eighty cents, so it's still kind of a lot. Yeah. And uh, so, so the uh, guy shows up and he hands me the case and he goes, "That'll be one hundred twenty bucks." So I, I fish the one twenty out of my pocket and I go, "Aren't you at least going to put it in the fridge?" He goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> but then, then he handed me the, the dogs, and they were like ballpark francs with like a you know what's a package twelve, and then he gave me a, a dozen buns and a thing of mustard. He goes. That'll be like 120. <laughs> was 350 times well, 350 times 12, 120. It's like 75 hours. I'm going. So you had to. So did you have to throw them in like the crock pot or something? Well, they had a little steamer there. You turn the thing in, so put you, some water in it. So you had to do everything. Yeah, I'm cooking it. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I've never it, seen that. Well, I mean, it was. Uh, I've seen the prices before, but usually they have it all set up for you. Well, well, this was a uh, Ticketmaster box, so they just give it to other, just uh, any other person. I mean, your regular box. But if you if you had a uh, at least the, the you know the beers would stay in the fridge for the next time you used it right and if you open up the liquor cabinet you know if you had vodka for vodka tonics or martini whatever that would all be in there yeah you know so you, at least you wouldn't but this I mean if, if we didn't drink them they were going to toss them or take them I'm, I'm going to use the word take them yeah the next guy came in it was it was empty no I, I could easily have uh, I mean we showed up for the first inning so I wasn't going to be able to but I, I could have. If I knew the hell a call, I could have called up two hours in advance and said we want the ribs, the nachos, and all the other stuff that came with it. But I didn't even know who to call. Yeah, then that would have been a pretty steep night. Oh, <laughs> afternoon. Plus, it was, it was my. It was all coming out of my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> good thing I brought. Good thing I had two hundred hours in an expendable dough for for beer and, and hot dogs. <laughs> God. So yeah, I took my people for a for a free thing, and it cost me by the end of the day like four hundred bucks. And we had dessert too. Yep. And then, and then of course, we totally interrupted. This guy shows up with his girlfriend in like the seventh inning. Let's just say they had no interest in watching the game. I don't know what, the, what you would call that club. It wouldn't have been the Mile High Club. <laughs> but they were there for a purpose, and they saw us. And they go, what are you guys doing here? And I said, well, what are you doing here? They stayed for like one batter and said, well, whatever we were planning, we're not going to be able to do it. They left. God. <laughs> God. Anyway, <laughs> SB Futures down 14. The SB down 57. Be right back. Professor Harold Snarr. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Something happening here. Hello, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. We're in the board. SP Futures now down 14. We were down, and we came back up to almost even. Well, down 6. Now we're down 14. NASDAQ Futures down 58. I'm reading here. Hey, Hal. I'm reading here that billionaire Ken Griffin on Friday sold an 8,000-square-foot condo on the 66th floor of Park Tower Building on the near north side. I don't know where the hell the Park Tower Building is. For $11.2 million. Easily the highest Chicago area home sale price in the new year. Rumor has it upcoming billionaires Matt and Jill Weber were the cash buyers. Is that true, Matt? Yeah, <laughs> right. Where is the Park Tower now that you bought the place? There, you must know where it is if you bought it. Um, I'm not sure. I'm googling it right now. I don't even know. It doesn't even ring a bell. <laughs> I used to know all the high end buildings not anymore. Uh, so how are you? Uh, prof- 800 North Michigan. Really? So yeah. that's uh, Michigan, Michigan, and Chicago. So what? Yep. On one corner is the, on two corners, right by the Hancock Building, right? No, two corners are the where the old water tower, so it's got to be on the. On the one, the other corner is the Walgreens, and that building it must be on the southwest corner. There must be a building there. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, seventy floors, the forty third tallest building in the U.S., so it's the twelfth tallest building in Chicago. Um, it was built in two thousand. Isn't the water tower right there on, on the other side of Chicago? Yeah. Well, then 800 would be 
across the street, right? So it's right. got to be right past the water tower. Yeah. Anyway, so might you have to look down at history at least. I don't know, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Hell, uh, so are you buying some huge uh, condo in downtown Manhattan one of these days or what? Oh, no, I don't got that. I don't have that access to credit, that kind of access to credit. <laughs> you don't want credit. You don't write the check for something like that. The last thing you want to do is have an $11 million mortgage. Good Lord. <laughs> well, it would take me forever to save that kind of money. Yeah, it's uh, well. It's how many years do you have to teach to be able to write eleven million dollar check kind of a ways, huh? Probably eleven million years. You know, I, I you know, I'm gonna, I will say this. You know, what's really odd. Uh, well, I guess maybe it's not so odd. It, we have three professors on the show. We have you. We have uh, Professor Russell, and I guess we're going to call Kevin a professor, even though he's more in the junior college realm. And I'm going to say that all three of you, maybe Kevin is a, eh, I don't know who's even more, really enjoy what you do and love the people you're working with. And almost, I mean, Kevin and Russell for sure, and I think you're sort of in the same spot, almost can't wait to get to work and and, and, and you find it so rewarding. Yet I've, in the last couple of weeks I've managed to talk to a few people that uh, teach either in the CPS or in the Burbs. And teach, you know, high school or, or central junior high or something, or even maybe high high grammar school. They all absolutely hate their jobs, you know. And it's yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, it used to be that teachers loved dealing with kids. You know, the parents were all pretty cool. Uh, everybody was kind of heading in the right direction. The you know, kids can be a riot. <laughs> uh, they can be a pain, but you know, be a riot. I have I have some inside information on that. When I was uh, an undergrad. I was uh, substituting in the high schools in Idaho Falls, <laughs> and in the uh, faculty rooms during my work, you know, hours. I'd listen to the faculty members complain about how much they hated the job, and that's one reason why I decided not to be a high school teacher because it seemed like the vast majority of the high school teachers. I think they did it because they wanted to kind of relive their high school years. But then they realized, man, this is not a very fun job. So I think it has something to do with the fact that students are kind of forced by the state to attend a school they may or may not appreciate, which is why you have truancy, uh, skipping school. My kids love their schools. We put them in charter schools, and they can't wait to go to school. But you have these big public schools where the students are forced to go and they don't have any choices because their parents don't make enough money. You have truancy and, and absenteeism and kids just not turn in homework. I mean, it was, it, was, it was common when I was substituting to see a bunch of students just not turn homework in. And I'd ask them, don't you want good grades? And they're like, no. Yeah. So I think, it's, I think it's been around for a while. Uh, the attitudes, because, you know, again, when you force somebody to purchase something they don't want to purchase, they're not going to be very happy with that purchase. And I think that's the reason why you have a lot of students who uh, are in that situation. Well, I mean, I don't ever recall in in, uh, in in grammar school loving being in class when it was nice outside. I mean, <laughs> I mean... Well, I, my, my, kids, yeah. my kids love their schools. They love them. They, they can't wait to go. They're, they're, they're kind of unhappy when there's no school. I wasn't like that. I mean, I, I went to public school and 
You know, it was small. I had like six people in my class. Really? Count Idaho. We had we yeah. had forty. <laughs> I had like six, and I was always in my brother Rod's classroom, who was a grade younger than me. Or I was always in my brother Ryan's classroom, who was a grade ahead of me, because our school was so small, and we only had a four room, four classroom building. The uh, no, we had we had forty kids in a class, but it was it was such a part of the neighborhood. I mean, I, I clearly, if it was you know when it started to get springtime. And it was nice out, and you're sitting there from one to three. Would I rather been outside playing baseball and not, not <laughs> you know, and not? Uh, we used to do we used to diagram sentences, and you know, God, in fourth grade. I mean, yeah, nobody nobody quote likes school to the extent that that you'd rather have been there than than playing ball, <laughs> right? I mean, I, I can't imagine that. But but by the same token, it was not that obtrusive. I mean, you had so, yeah. so I mean, it wasn't like I mean, you liked the fact that you were learning something, but. And you like the people you were there with most of the time, but but I mean, I, I don't think maybe because the the nuns and other people had support from the families, they they always seem like even though it was a, always you know it's always trouble being a teacher. I mean, I don't th- I think they sort of enjoyed it or had some kind of a calling or something. I don't know. It just it just didn't seem like a struggle all day long. I mean, uh, the one lady I was talking to is a math teacher, no, I, and she says I, I think there's I think there's two different kinds of public schools. There's the one. Where your teachers live in the community, and those uh, connections, when you see them at the store, when you see them at the, the, the church, um, those relationships kind of hold them accountable. Oh, yeah. But then there are the public schools where the teachers don't live in the district, and in that situation, I think you get, uh, you know, not, not good outcomes, right? Because the parents aren't held accountable, I mean, the teachers aren't held accountable, all these personal relationships. Well, I also think that the, that the parents, especially, I mean, I, you get both sides of the story in the Chicago public schools for sure. I mean, you're holding the teachers accountable, but I don't see how the hell forcing somebody in a class for nine hours, eight hours a day, where while you're in there six, it, with zero support from the family, I don't see how that works. I mean, I, unless you have... I mean, yeah. I, mean, I don't see how that... And uh, anyway, just kind of an odd... You know, we keep... Spending money. I mean, some of the incredible. I mean, you, you've heard me on a few occasions. It's not like I'm a you know social, uh, you know, doctrine maker or something. But I, you know, I, I've I've talked about. Uh, I don't know if somebody's listening to the show or what. But that you know, we've got a bunch of people that come in. We, our, our schools are totally underutilized here. I mean, they're not. We have areas where the adults need education as much as the kids. I mean, you send the kids home to. You expect the parents to help them with their homework, which you know. I don't know about that. Whether you should even consider that, but that's that's their plan, and uh, the parents don't know anything. The kids are learning themselves, and yet you don't have any sort of adult education. These buildings that close at three o'clock, and you know nobody nobody teaches anybody at night. When the parents, the whole neighborhood needs education, not just the kids. And we don't spend any. You know, to, you know, it's a it's a whole. It, but now I'm doing. The, I'm, uh, I'm getting too hell. Let me go but, for a second. Is oh, now we're getting some oh, of the. Yeah. Uh, we're getting some of these refugees in that they're busting in, and I've and I've said these schools are underutilized. Plus, they all have showers. They have cap- cafeteria. If you have to house somebody for a while, that's a perfect place to house them. You know, because there's no students in half of them. So, not half, but there's quite a few. They have nobody, and all of a sudden, one of the mayors get running for mayor goes, "Okay, we're, we're now we're, somebody got the bright idea, which is right in front of your face, for God's sake, of putting some of these people that they're sending up on the buses into these schools as temporary housing." 
And oh, by the way, you can learn some stuff in there. And there's there's cafeterias, like I said, or shower facilities. Uh, there's even a gym, probably. That always. They says, well, why why are we doing that with the people from Mexico and our homeless? We're leaving them on the street. Why don't we use it? I mean, it's once once you get the idea that you should start doing something, Hal, <laughs> you could do a real lot for everybody. I mean, I, it's just it's astounding what how much money we spend and how much money we pour into this CPS, and yet we don't look at any of the the, the root causes of the problem, meaning the, the parents, the neighborhood, and try and use the schools to do that because it's always going to cost too much. But I think. I asked you and your students to say, without without calling the end of the paper before you you, you start writing the paper, I'm going to say over a 10-year period, 20-year period, it would be a lot cheaper to invest in that stuff now instead of saying it was too expensive and just stick with the status quo. Well, the pro- I mean, I agree, but the problem with that is the fact that government's making those investments and the bureaucrats and the politicians... Um, they're spending other people's money, so I, I, I don't want government making the investments. Well, but they, we have from time to time made. Yeah, and, and I think the public school system, and I, I really see it getting much worse. I just read an article about in the CUNY system. They're selling this program as well. We've learned how to teach these young people kind of a better way in their remedial. Uh, you know, they don't standards like math or English or whatnot. So they're getting rid of their remedial courses because a lot of these students that are accepted in the CUNY system under their zero tuition policy, you know, frankly, you know, they've been educated in the public school system. They just don't have those skills. So they have, they're they're spending a lot of time taking those remedial courses. They're not counting for graduation. And I think they're getting pushback from the students because they're taking a bunch of classes that don't count. And so they're just going to eliminate the remedial classes. And so to me, what, that, what that's saying is education outcomes are even worse than we think they are, what they're reported. Well, so I I, there's a lot of problems with our public school system. I, I don't disagree. And, but I, here, here's, I think, though, that it comes down to, you know, who's running it. I mean, hell, we have, we have uh, and, and I don't know, this is not a... I wasn't alive when this was going on, so it's not like I can point the same in. We were all, we were all much better back then because I'm not going to. We had probably somehow or another, I don't know if it's the politics, if it's the unions. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I know we, we redid recently the, the Bay Bridge, okay, and it was how many years over did it take and how much more was over the estimate? All right, and I just saw the, the redo the. Uh, this this is government uh, burn interchange five years late and damn near double the amount of money up you know it's supposed to be four hundred seventy five million was eight something so not double but and yet I know when they built Hoover Dam it came in early and under budget I'm going to say when the Bay Bridge was built originally I'll bet it came in under budget and maybe on time and if you were to if my mom was if I could you know drag her out of the grave where she's been for a while and say what did you think of the schools during the Depression? Should we just not have had any? She just said, what's the matter with you? Did you get stupid while I was gone? She goes, they were the, they were the people. They were, they were the reason how all these people came from all these other countries and somehow managed. They were a key part of getting people involved in the system where you learned the language, you learned about the country, you learned history. You learned all that stuff while you were in school. You didn't, and the parents, yeah. you know, I mean, and now, how could something have been a success at one time 
and now it just isn't. Are we are we just looking at it differently? Yep. Are we? I mean, I mean, I I know people that that well, they're all gone, but I know people that ran out of school when they were sixteen, and yet I don't think an average college person would want to debate them on civics and on on things like that, and certainly not on remedial math uh, or anything like that. Those, those people learned a hell of a lot by the time they were 16 or 18 and they got out of high school. And now all of a sudden we're just fighting. And my the lady I was talking to yesterday said this this COVID thing has got stuff. These kids don't know any math. And all they're doing is pushing them along, pushing them along. And, and, and the fact is, they don't learn anything. They're not, nobody's, I mean, not nobody. But uh, she says the fact is we've, we've dropped two years and we don't even know how to deal with it. And uh, you know wh- why can't we even have the some- something's missing here, you know? And I don't know what it is. It's not well, the money. It's something. The public schools that the public schools that lock down and just kind of like dump the kids on the parents' lap, they're going to be out of the problem when they graduate in two years, and we're going to be seeing them, and we're seeing them now. And I, don't, I, I, it's just not very good outlook. I mean, so the, the public school system they're going to be flush. They're going to be flushing them out. And I think that's kind of how they view it, honestly, because. The product that I'm seeing now is changing the way I approach teaching. I mean, I've revolutionized. I mean, I changed a lot when I went to Westminster, but post-pandemic, I've, like, turned everything that I was doing upside down because the kids just aren't, and it's not their fault. They just went through a school system where they really don't have to learn anything. Everybody has A's, and... When you give them a C, they kind of fall apart in a college class. So it's a much bigger problem. And I think the problem lies in government spending somebody else's money and then the, the politics in these institutions. It could be very Republican in rural counties, but a very Democrat in Democrat cities. And when, you, when politics enters into an institution... Decisions are made politically instead of financially. I think you get some really, really perverse outcomes. Well, I don't. Just, what I'm, what I'm looking for is that. You know, what is the? What is the? We obviously are looking for. I mean, you know, we're stacks and jacks. We're looking for people to be able to invest money. We're looking for for people to be able to have businesses. People have jobs. People have nice lives. People make money. People be able to invest. How much is this starting to de- detract from that? I mean, uh, plus the businesses aren't aren't the same either. I mean, uh, at Pullman, I mean, I, I, they would love it if you came out of uh, you know Chicago Vocational Welding School, I guess. But still, they were going to teach you their own way. I mean, if you had a, a head start and knew how to read a drawing and things, I mean, all the better. But the fact is, you know, companies were used to training people on their own, and a, a lot of the mid-sized places now. Uh, Certainly, at the level where my nephew works, he works at a metal metal fabricating place, uh, and he's one of the guys who can program the machines and stuff. So he, he's doing, he's a good kid. And uh, but it, you know the and they, they have some places that they the schools that, that help them out and so forth. But the the whole system doesn't seem like uh, it. You know they just they're not being able to pick somebody up out of out of school. Maybe maybe some of the schools and. Indiana to have some certifications like uh, Kevin talks about, but by and large, they don't have 10 people whose only job is going to be training new people. Where we don't have places at that level, and it just seems like there's there's these little issues all across the board here, Hal, that are stopping us from f- being able to get financing, from being 
having people having the ability to be entrepreneurs, having you know banks wanting you to sign a, you know a, 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 your home away for a corporation, which nobody used to have to do. I mean, there's all kinds of little impediments here that seem like we're 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 we're, be, we're being our own worst enemy all across the board. And I don't I don't well, know. All, that, all those all those impediments added up, those rules, regulations, those restrictions. They all push prices up demand curves too. So, really, the only the only choice that we can make here, and it's not a sellable one. I mean, so, uh, a sellable solution is, oh, you're trapped in a cage. I'm going to bring you food and water every day. An, a, a solution like, I'm going to open up the cage and let you figure it out on your own. That is not sellable, right? The only sellable solution is to do that: open up the cage and let people out of the cages that they're currently in with these rules and restrictions. And the rules and restrictions are in place so that the incumbent firms uh, don't have to face as much competition as they would otherwise. Well, I don't. I mean, I just the uh, some of the stuff, and I, I don't. I don't blame people, uh, Hal, because why? How could I possibly? Because I'm learning every day, and I've learned from the people who come on the show, and from listeners who send me stuff, and from things I read. I mean, we look at everybody looks at this Elon Musk situation. And the, and the guy, you know, I guess is dropped dead brilliant in a lot of areas, but everybody who's brilliant in a lot of areas always thinks that they're brilliant everywhere and manages to not be, right? And that's just the way people are. I mean, I mean I've, I've seen... It's worse for PhDs that just have been conferred the PhDs. Well, I mean, they're trying... Because they're hyper-experts in a very little tiny corner of knowledge, but yet they think that PhD means that they're brilliant in all aspects of life, and they're just not. And I went through that same thing. Well, one of the economics professors in Chicago once said in class, I think it was George Stigler, who goes, if you think professors are, are really smart and everything, take a look at the crummy cars they buy. <laughs> they don't, they don't know anything. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, you, you look at... Or the, the corduroy jackets, or the corduroy jackets with the patches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, but I mean, I mean, uh, how many how many people in this country even have a clue? And again, I just am starting to piece it together. That if you went out today and bought a Ford pickup, and you look at the price and you go, oh my God, that somehow or another your government has decided that Elon Musk, his company, gets a check when you buy a pickup. And you you wonder, why is that? I'll, I'll bet that the, the price of cra- that kind of crap on a pickup is more than they pay all the laborers to make the pickup. I mean, how do you... How, how well, do you, yeah, the subsidy... The subsidy yeah. I, I actually believe that the... Uh, subsidy probably goes almost entirely the purchase subsidy that they give the consumer it it's 100% transfer to the car maker almost 100% well no I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about oh, the, the carbon sorry. I'm talking about the carbon credit oh carbon credit okay so if you buy something that, that essentially produces carbon dioxide there's a fee that Ford or General Motors has to pay and I'm saying they're always I mean there's other people that are getting the checks but Tesla's been getting, you know, two, three, four million dollars a quarter. I mean, yeah. if, any, if, ever, if anybody thought that when they went and bought a Ford F-150 that they were actually giving a, a check to Elon Musk, they'd be like, they'd be totally pissed off. Why, why am I doing that? Look at what the guy's, look at what the guy's pissing it away. I mean, I mean, we're talking about how's the guy, why, why does that guy have 90 bazillion dollars? Well, because you're giving it to him. Nobody even knows that. Well, but now, under the new uh, administration, they're going to, they're, I think they're talking about or they've proposed that they haven't voted on it yet, they're talking about a new subsidy for electric car vehicles. And that is going to be, you know, if the car, electric car vehicle is $60,000, it's going to be $67,000 with a $7,000 subsidy. Well, it look, goes 100% look, look what happened to, 
look what happened to tuition. Look what happened to healthcare. You know, I mean, whenever you, whenever you get the subsidies, the price just goes up. I mean, there's no, but how? Well, yeah, because under under healthcare, you have con laws and you have fixed uh, quantities of you know beds and whatnot. So if people are subsidized in their healthcare, it goes 100 percent to the hospitals, which is why you have probably administrative blow to those at those places, just like you have administrative blow at universities, right? Well, uh, how, many, how many people uh, do you think? Could, that used to be the what's that? How many people do you think, I mean, I, the last time I looked, and I, I, I'm being unfair here, but actually maybe I'm not. It could, be, could have gone the other way. Last time I looked, the, uh, some of these people might teach, they might be graduate assistants and stuff, that the uh, California systems, there were, there were, these are university systems, from Berkeley and down the line, that there were 10 indirect people for every, every professor? That's kind of a lot. Yeah, it's, 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 it's in that kind of ballpark. I don't think Alliance University has that luxury. But I think at these large state universities, that's most definitely the case. You have this incredible amount of bureaucrats. They're probably the largest population besides the students on the campus. Administrator, the administrative class is so much more. At Westminster College, the administrators were the highest paid uh, members of the staff and faculty at the college. And they, 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 you know, they had these huge salaries, and professors were, you know, one, one professor went uh, viral on uh, uh, Twitter for saying that a Panda Express manager makes more money than him, and he's an associate professor of mathematics. He got a lot of blowback on Twitter, but uh, I mean, it's just it's just what it is. And we have this fixed amount of classroom space, we have this fixed amount of bed space. There's only so many parts that can be made on the production line. Supply curves are right, probably pretty inelastic, and those subsidies go directly to the owners of electric car vehicles. Well, but how, how is it that you know? How is it that our, our population, if you were to say, why are cars so expensive? Half the people immediately will say that the, the the people on the line make too much and they have too good of pensions, and they don't realize that what is what is that? Two percent of the car? Five? Well, I think I think I don't I don't necessarily agree with that because I think at a place like General Motors where they're faced with the union, that is definitely a problem compared to like Toyota. I think the Toyota employee probably in total compensation makes two thirds of what they might make at General Motors. But I think the real problem is the fact that uh, demand is artificially stimulated by really low interest rates. So when you have extremely high demand and you have low interest rates, everybody and their mother goes out and buys a brand new car. And that's one of the reasons why I think they have so many cars in New York City. Well, the last cars everywhere here. we gotta go to we got to go to break here, but the last time they had a, a strike, or were thinking about having a strike at General Motors or whatever, and the, the guy who was the head of the autos union goes, and, you know, he's being accused as being, you know, the reason why the prices are so high, he goes, you could pay us nothing, and your, the price of your car would not go down. What's the matter with you? And what's there, like 35 hours in a car now? Or 50? It's some, it's some ridiculously small number. The car's 46 grand. I, mean, what's, what's well, I think probably a lot of the labor a lot of the labor is done by the robots now. A lot okay. of the AI and robots now. So. But I'm saying it's it's ridiculously so small. The labor, cost, the labor cost can go up because a lot of it's been done by robots. Well, I don't, what I'm saying is out of the 45 grand, what's labor getting? Two? Yeah. I, mean, I would say about two, yeah. I think at Toyota they're getting about 1400 
Okay, well, I'm saying that's kind of a small piece. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. anyway, SP Futures is down, up, down seven. NASDAQ is down 36. We've been down 12. We were down six. Then we're down 20. Now we're down seven. NASDAQ Futures is down 35. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, no, everybody. Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 6. Nasdaq Futures down 28. Dow Futures down 101. Let's look for what's causing all that. Well, we've got uh, Microsoft down 246. The Travelers uh, Insurance, wow, down 357. It's, well, the stock's 490, so that's not very much. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, stock's 190. Uh, we have uh, Goldman Sachs now down 975 as they missed on earnings, which they don't, don't normally do. Uh, they claim it had to do with investment banking earnings being a little light, but... I don't think we ever need a tag day for those guys all that much. Over in Europe, we have uh, DAX down 9, call that flat. FTSE down 14.2%, CAC around down 1, call that flat. So moderately, I mean slightly the downside over in Europe, but very slow. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 316, 1.2%. Hang Seng down 169.8%, but still 21,577. Shanghai down 3, call that flat. So kind of a mixed bag over there. Uh, U.S., on Friday, ways ago, Dow was up 112, S&P down, up 15, Nasdaq up 78. We got bonds up five basis points, 3.56. They've been kind of quiet lately. Uh, up and down on a few days, but pretty much right in this 3.5 to 3.65 range. A uh, bun 2.18. That's down one basis point. A uh, Japan. This is kind of the news. 
up nine basis points to 0.59, so they're way above the high the high point of where the government said it could roam to 0.50. They're almost up to 0.6. So we'll see if it comes back down or where they, they give it the the blessing to go further. Oil up 31 cents, eighty dollars and eight seventeen cents, so just a bit over eighty. Rent up a dollar ten, eighty five fifty six. Natural gas up twenty nine cents, three twenty three seventy one. Arbob up a penny, two uh, two fifty four. We've got gold is down nine forty now, but still nineteen twelve above nineteen hundred. Silver down fifteen cents, twenty four twenty one. Copper down six cents, four fifteen. The crypto down sixty eight bucks. The way up here, twenty one thousand two thirty two. We were worried about it going under 16.5. Well, it's not there anymore. It's 21.2. U.S. dollar down a little bit as the euro is up uh, 26 uh, basis points to 1.08. We haven't seen it that high in a while. And the uh, British pound is at 1.22, so it's broke, broken off that 121. We're stuck for a while, so dollar down somewhat today. Maybe we got for us traffic weather sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We are seeing a couple of uh, issues on the area expressways this morning after we had a very quiet first hour. There's a disabled semi-tractor trailer blocking the right lane of the tri-state northbound side um, right at US-20, and it has traffic backed up to East St. Charles Road. So if you're heading on the northbound side of the tri-state I-294, you're going to see some congestion and stop-and-go traffic as crews work to get that disabled semi out of there that's currently blocking the right lane. That's our slowest moving area right now. If you're coming in on the Edens and Kennedy, traffic is starting to build up steadily, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson, and same for the Ryan and Bishop Ford, actually. Uh, but we're looking good as far as accidents are concerned. DeSalvo Lakeshore Drive is quiet in both directions, and it looks like the uh, only other accident in the area is out in Aurora, Indian Trail Road at North Lake Street. There is a crash, but everything else looking good out there. Weather today. Uh, clouds, but mild temperatures, a high of 44. Right now it's overcast and 42 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 57. Right now it's mostly cloudy and 52. In sports, Bulls were off last night. They're back in action on Thursday. They'll travel to Detroit to take on the Pistons. Suns played. They were blown out by the Grizzlies, 136-106. to 106. Both of our hockey teams in Chicago and Phoenix were off yesterday, but both play tonight. Blackhawks host the Sabres at the UC, 7.30 p.m. Central Time puck drop. Coyotes host the Detroit Red Wings tonight, and that's a 7 p.m. Arizona Time puck drop. NFL playoffs, wildcard weekend wrapped up last night with Dallas blowing out Tampa Bay 31-14. And college hoops, it was Illinois blowing out Minnesota up in the Twin Cities 78-60. Chief. The uh, man, I'm reading a little bit about this uh, Alabama basketball player involved shooting down in, in uh, Tuscaloosa, and uh, I don't know if you've heard anything about this, Hal. I, mean, I, I mean, I don't know what went on around that or anything, but the interesting part was all over Chicago radio this weekend. Somebody from the university, some I don't know what how they let this guy in the air, said we don't understand it because we have people in all the time to talk to the players about off-campus behavior. We have pe- who, who are the people, Matty? When you're a coach or something, you, you're you're giving these guys a huge reward for coming to play basketball, and you're trying to be. You, you think you have some character on the mind. You wouldn't. You wouldn't off off. Uh, you know, it's like Hal hiring somebody else to come in and teach. You wouldn't hire a third person to come in and say, "Don't shoot people off campus." I don't think you know. What are they even talking about? Is this a different world than I than I know? What is what is going on here? So we get a little, here's how the thing. Sorry to get into this, Hal, but it's kind of interesting that evidently it's a, it's a block from campus. 
lady comes to town with her boyfriend, and evidently is, I don't know where the Alabama guy's involved in this, but they go to get somewhere to eat. Somebody approaches the car and starts trying to pick up the girl, according to this. She says she doesn't want any part of the dude. He comes back and starting shooting, so of course, shoots her. Now her boyfriend, of course, has a gun. He starts shooting at the other guys. So this thing turns out to be a Dodge City shootout a block from campus. Everybody's armed. Is this is this the world that you know we don't want to be involved in, or what is this? Is it is this everywhere? It appears to be. It's not just Chicago. So the guy drove. I think. Oh, go ahead. Well, I think what happens is uh, whether it's wealth, whether it's just God-given ability, talent, grace, uh, balance. In some people, they're they're so blessed with something, you know, money, talent, that. And it's, you kind of see what Caleb Williams, but in a different regard. Caleb Williams is so good that he thinks he can just run over other players. And he, he pulled his hamstring in that championship game against Utah. And I think what he learned is a valuable lesson. A lot of times when you're given all kinds of uh, advantages, monetary other otherwise, and everybody has always looked up to you and you can do no wrong and people cover up your mistakes and they kind of make it go away it creates a moral hazard in in decision making and so I think that has a lot to do with this kind of thing because a lot of these kids are just kind of like worship like gods and if you know if you've ever met a god they don't sin because they are god well that's true so that creates and that's why Nietzsche said everybody whether you're an atheist or not needs a god because when you have a God, that means you are not God, right? Well, and so I think that explains why you see these kinds of things happening. And it could be something as dumb as trying to run over a linebacker in the top 12 championship game or being uh, disrespected by a woman in a car, right? Well, I think what they really should realize is that the real gods are the guys who own the teams. Those yeah. <laughs> Those well... <laughs> Well, my pastor would disagree with that. <laughs> the, uh, so, are you uh, since you're from New York now? Are you are you working on your resume and you're going to run for Congress? Oh uh, no! I, I, uh, my wife uh, about a week ago told me what she, you know. She's black, Haitian American. She told me her uh, platform, and I'm like, well, then I think you're going to get one vote. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think, Maddie? We she uh, she listed off some things that I would I would talk about, right? Well, first of all, and, you know, twenty percent of the population is Republican and. And probably 1% of that is, you know, libertarian. Well, uh, so, Matt, we could work on, we could, we, first of all, would we change his name to Santos? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, he... I can identify, I can, I can identify as Catholic, Jewish, <clears throat> male, female, black, white, Mormon, uh, evangelical. I can, I just identify as all those things, and I would get all the votes, right? Well, we got to up, up your resume. First of all, you're teaching at Harvard, not where you are. Right and uh, <laughs> and, and you and you went to uh, Oxford or someplace. You got your degree in uh, yeah. London School of Economics with a sidecar at Oxford or someplace. I mean, you got to got to work and, on you. And and I and I beat up corn pop. Make sure we get that one out too. Well, you, plus you you served in uh, you got fifteen different medals from my, the Iraq War, right? Yeah. What, how old? Are, yeah. What, now, are you, when you were young, which which war? I, I got a Purple Hearts in World War Two, Korea, and Vietnam. So let's get that straight. But, and you're only and you're not ninety years old. You're plus you're. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, 
What, what would we have to do with Webby? We'd have to work on him a little bit. Maddie, we'd have to work on you. Yeah. Have to, where would you want to be, Yale or Harvard? <laughs> Good question. Um, skull and Bones was Yale, right? Yeah. I could see you as a Skull and Bones yep. guy. <clears throat> can you see Maddie laying naked in a coffin looking up at dead animals? <laughs> isn't that what isn't that I, I don't know him that well, so I, I can't. I can't say anything. I don't want to speculate. Well, he'd be right with Bush and uh, Kerry. Boy, they both did that, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they both had, uh, they both were really good at getting fees. Well, they, they, were, skull and, they were Skull and Bones, weren't they? Yeah. I don't know, Maddie. I don't know if you get in there. We'd have to... We have to really work on you just to get in that place, the skull and bones, so you go and see the dead animals. No interest. I've never. Had I, I actually, I'd actually, I like, I like being from, you know, getting a degree from Iowa State and Washington State University. I, I take great pride in that because, uh, yeah, it it took a lot for me from my situation to even go to college. So I'm I'm proud to be from Iowa State. I'm proud to uh, be a, a public university, you know, kid. So I, I wouldn't change anything about my my education. Well, when I when people. Uh, the weird part is when I tell people I went to Notre Dame, they get people get this. They, they didn't realize Notre Dame was three three thousand a year when I went there. It yeah, not, it was not subsidized heavily by the Catholic Church, wasn't it? No, it, that's how much it cost. They were they were. Oh, that's how much it cost. Don't 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 kid yourself. The Catholic Church doesn't subsidize anybody. They don't want to subsidize yeah. the university. They're they're not like the, the state legislature. Notre Dame's on their own. Well, the LDS Church, the Mormon Church, uh, subsidizes uh, BYU students pretty hefty. Yeah, if you're, if you're a if you're a Mormon in good standing, I think you get a about a fifty percent discount off of uh, your law school tuition. Well, at the, I don't I don't deny that. I just, I'm saying don't don't think for a second that uh, anybody. If, I mean, we grew up in St. John Fisher. Well, we grew up earlier than that. St. John the Baptist was the poorest neighborhood going, uh, but St. John Fisher. I mean, when when they when people got tired of standing at church and, and, and because it was too small, and they put an extension on it. They didn't get a check from anybody. The Pope, the Cardinal, they went around house to house, and they went and got a loan, and people essentially pledged, you know, 20, wow. bucks, 20 bucks a month for the next two years, and that's that's how they took all these people's pledges and went to the bank, and that's how they got the loan, and all those people paid. There was never, there was, there was no check coming from on high in the Catholic Church. There's no, no way. You know, Lewis Clark, when I was a freshman at Lewis Clark State College, I think I was only paying $500 a month, or $500 a semester. Intuition. It was pretty cheap. Yeah, you can accuse Notre Dame and DePaul these places of a lot of stuff. One thing you can't accuse them of is getting money from somebody else. That's all theirs. <laughs> nobody's ponying up. I mean, when did they get that NBC contract? Mid nineties or well, they, they had I mean, that in the seventies. No, 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 no. They were. Matter of fact, <laughs> Manny knows this. You could only be on the only, the only. I'm going to say when I was in school and how God, how long, Manny? It was the only time you were on the only. Per, People that, well, there are only the, the three networks, right? So you were only on, and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a team could only be on ABC in the national game, what, twice a year, right, Matt? Was I, it? I don't know what the restrictions were. Yeah, but yeah. yeah it could, seems like teams were never on. Well, I mean, uh, the Irish were on. Yeah, the they played Southern. The NCAA actually decided who was going to be on the game, on the TV. Yeah, but the, the Irish Southern yeah. Cal was always on. Then there would be yeah. like one other if they played Michigan or Michigan State or somebody. The rest of the time, you had a. They were on uh, WNDU, you know, and Alabama would be on if they played Auburn or something. Everybody was on, or Michigan, Michigan State was always on. So, every, but you, you were limited to twice a year, I think, plus bowls. Yeah. Now, I don't know. When that, obviously, with cable, there was more bandwidth, and that started you were on, and then 
I'm going to say the NBC contract where the Irish were on every game. When, Matty? Uh, we're 2023, 2005 maybe? What? I would say even before that. You think so? Yeah. I think it was the 90s. I yeah, think I think it was, it was the 90s. 90s when that started. Well, but it was way after there were enough. They were the first team I ever saw that was on every every game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on their yeah, own they're, network. They're the first one to get that exclusive contract. Well, now, but, now universities have their own networks, like Longhorn Television. Well, the the, the, the uh, are they the only are they the only college? Well, now they're going to this other other place, right, Manny? They're they're going to end up. Are they going to lose the Longhorn Network when they go into the ACC? The SEC. SEC? Um, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I I doubt they're going to lose it, but well, maybe they, they still going to use it for all their other sports. I've read that the Big Ten Network is the only network that's that's really profitable. Um, SEC Network, ACC Network, Longhorn Network, Pac-12 Network, all of those uh, don't do as well. For, but for whatever reason, the Big yeah, Ten I think Network. The reason why the, I think the reason why the SEC Network isn't doing very well is because all the big games on Saturday are on CBS. Right. So they yeah. get you know they get. You know, Wolford State versus Alabama between the the Iron Bowl and the previous SEC game they had. So, I think that's one reason why the SEC well, network's not doing very well. What is what is Matty possibly knows this off the top? Is it what is what is the rating for the for the other stuff, Matt? I mean, uh, Big Big Ten. I mean, I have to assume I don't even know when the whole season is, but I have to assume in the middle of the year, like the lacrosse games around there or the women's soccer, I mean, are they or not? Are they it's, it's, it's uh, obviously football. That's not the huge games that are, that are on, you know, ESPN or Fox or whatever. Uh, then it's men's and women's basketball. And then they have men's hockey. Um, so, uh, you know, they have, I think an eight team big 10 hockey league or something like that. Uh, and then, yeah, you'll see in, in off, Seasons, you'll see like women's softball. You'll see some men's baseball. You'll see, you know, uh, lacrosse is not really in the Big Ten, but um, you know, some some uh, some off sports, well, but not much. You'll see some gymnastics every once in a while, but it's mostly you know all the pregame shows, all of the investment is all based on football, men's basketball, and then a little bit of women's basketball. Well, I, th- I think the Irish hockey team is in the Big Ten. Yeah, but they they for whatever reason, at least I could you know I could be wrong on this. But whenever Big Ten hockey is on, it's always either Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, or Wisconsin. You, they like never show Notre Dame on the Big Ten Network. Now I could be wrong on that, but I, I swear I've never seen. I've them seen on. them. You know they're in uh, Marquee once in a while. Yeah, they're, I've seen them on there. So I don't know if that's if that's so. Even though they're technically you know they play against the Big Ten in hockey. For whatever reason, you know, and I, there, there may be some some arrangement behind this, but no, they don't, they don't just play against them. They're in they're in the conference. Well, I know that, but I'm saying like you, they are not on the Big Ten Network on TV. I, like if they are, it's got to be very rare. I don't think I've ever seen them on. That, that's weird. Yeah. Well, but here, but they do show men's hockey all the time. But it's always Minnesota, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin. Well, the Big Ten, which is actually what 14 now, right? It's fourteen in the conference, but in Big Ten hockey, it's got to be like five. Well, they actually, in order to, I think, in order to have a conference, you need eight. And only like, I'm going to say, two, three years ago, when the Irish joined the Big Ten, it's because Penn State finally got a team and made it eight. They, they couldn't have a team before that, and the Irish are Irish are the eighth. So apparently, there's seven in the Big Ten. Okay, maybe you need seven then. The current champion is Michigan. Um, let me see what the teams are. Illinois does not have a team. It's, I don't know. Um, Wisconsin does for sure. Yeah, it's Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Minnesota, 
So those are the teams that you see all the time. Yeah, no, no, Northwestern. And then apparently Ohio State and Penn State have a team. Yeah, they which just, I didn't even know that Penn State just started a couple years ago. And it's yeah, and the Irish in there. Uh, and then Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah so those are the seven teams. And there's no, there's no Indiana. There's no. I don't think Illinois even has a men's soccer team because they for Title Nine. Yeah, a lot of schools had to cut s- some some programs, whether it was soccer or baseball or you know whatever. Well, they just they Washington must- State had to cut its wrestling team. Yeah, a lot of schools had to cut wrestling. Sure. Yeah. Well, he, then there would they be. Have you actually Vision Quest? Uh, it actually takes place in Spokane, Washington, and the movie was made when Washington State had a wrestling team. Then they had to they had to cut it. I think the Irish went to a non-varsity round. I think they're back to varsity. But but pal, we were talking earlier when Brendan was in about you know what I mean. We obviously are always talking about the market in terms of the economy. In terms of a, can people get jobs and can people survive and, and be a you know be a good economy for the masses? And obviously, we also talk about that all that affects the stock market because we are stacks and jacks. And uh, and we were talking earlier about there might be is there a big difference between the one percenters, which I, I sent you that thing where you know the last what percent in the last three years, what the the, the top one percent picked up sixty two percent of all the new wealth. Is there a, a massive difference in, quote, their view of the world than other people's? I mean, the Major League Baseball is convinced that, you know, we're going to the moon. They're paying shortstops $25 million a year in a, for forever many years. And uh, yet other people are sitting there going, man, I don't know, about two years from now, not, from now things look so hot. I mean, where, where do you come down in all this? Because you're, I mean, you're involved. Obviously, you make a paycheck and you're doing stuff and you're teaching economics. But from you're not quite as involved as I am. We're doing trades every day. Where, where where do you see all this? I mean, uh, in terms of where are we going to be? To not you know not just you know buy IBM or buy Sidewash whatever or slippery right? I mean, where where in terms of two three years from now is are we going to be some evening out in terms of people being able to access capital? Or are we going to have a lot of new businesses formed? Are we going to have you know not just the market level because that has a lot to do with the Fed, but the fact our companies and earnings going to be growing? Are people going to be wanting to invest because despite you know wherever the market level might be do they see this company five years from now doing a hell of a lot better than they are now i mean where do you see this whole vision going forward i mean it uh you know i i honestly don't know everybody talked to us a different view every every walk of life well i i think i've been looking at some data recently and i think i don't really think the fed is being all that easy bank lending is still soaring commercial Commercially, I don't think it even took a hiccup. So banks are still lending. Consumers are still going into debt. I think they're getting constricted, though, on their on their credit card limits. Um, and, I don't, you know, I think the Fed being where it's at right now, what is it at, about 4 or 5% now? I really don't think that's all that restrictive. Because if they were restrictive, I think you would see a, a, a marked slowdown in lending. And I think all they're doing is they're just kind of following the Fisher equation. The Fisher equation says nominal rates are equal to the real rate plus inflation. They created the inflation. So they just have the federal funds rate higher because inflation is higher. So I don't think they're restrictive. So I think we're, we're going we're gonna to have inflation, I think, for a while because I don't think this Fed is very hawkish on inflation at all. And I, I, I think the government is underreporting that inflation and so I, I have kind of a bleak expectation of the first future, and 
if you if you kind of go into this with rosy glasses, you're going to make a certain kind of decisions. But if you go in this, I think with more realistic uh, glasses on, I think you might make better decisions. So I, th- I think inflation is going to get much worse. And what I would tell people is to try to get out of debt as much as possible. Uh, tighten belts. Watch what they're spending. Kind of pull back on all those wants. Focus on the needs and getting out of debt because I actually don't think it's going to get any better because I think the politicians are going to just double down with even with the same policy that's going to be made worse with that future inflation. So uh, I think you can survive it, but you have to play it smart. I mean, you, you might not be able to go to you know on vacation. You you, know, you got to kind of I think you have to kind of pull back and focus on things like trying to succeed in this new labor market. Trying to figure out where the where the um, the salaries are going to be. Trying to figure out where the the, the growth in salaries is going to be, and maybe focus your uh, your decisions about the future on trying to acquire that kind of position. Because I think you can beat it out if you do that. Well, what with the mentality? I mean, I, without getting into a political discussion, you really can't not go there. I was listening to uh, I don't know, well, driving around. Everything's political now. Well, I know everything's political. I was listening to you know Joe Biden, who I you know I. I, you know, whatever. I don't have a, a whole lot of, let's put it this way, there's 330 million people in this country. Uh, why he and Trump are even remotely close to that to that spot, I have no idea, much less been president. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we have to have people better somewhere, I mean, anywhere. Uh, but we don't. So the guy, he was talking, he was speaking at, uh, I think he was talking about a Martin Luther King thing. And of course, he goes off the rails and says something about he doesn't even understand uh the Republicans that are in Congress and are looking at, you know, cutting back on some of the spending and how they're, he doesn't understand, like, what planet they're from. With some, that wasn't exactly the words, but, I mean, they, they just don't get it. It was something along those lines. And I, I, this, this constant uh, idea that because you think something's a good idea, it automatically is going to, and not to mention you're giving money to people who voted for you, on both sides. So it's not just him. I mean, it's, they both do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, that the... Uh, Somehow or another, that they actually believe. I mean, the, you know, the, the the stupid old Republicans, not not all like that. I'm not calling up, you know, Republic, that actually thought that when they cut the taxes for people that they cared about and voted for them, that somehow ten years from now this is going to end up as a boon to everybody. Just cut the taxes, take your money, say you have the political power, and shut the bleep up. Don't don't try and blow it by me that it's going to be good for me and and the, and the rest of the world because. All of a sudden, these people are going to spend so much money, and uh, and also, you know, the, mo- the money they're throwing around from the Democratic side to the people who voted for them. The idea that this is all some sort of a a huge investment that ten years from now we're all going to reap from. I mean, come on, hell, just just say what you're doing, <laughs> giving money to a person who voted for you. People understand that this is America. We understand people that are crooks. Hey, just don't don't tell me how good it's going to be for me or you or Maddie. I mean, just don't don't go there. Because <laughs> when 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 anybody ever tells you, "Hey, I got a good deal for you," it's yeah. not a good deal for you. No, it's a horrible deal for you. It's a great deal for them. Yeah, I mean, I so I, I the the idea that we we constantly going to go to this council of uh, you know budget guys that of course we hire and they're going to spit out and say, "Oh man, in twenty years this is a great deal." Come on, I mean, we know it's not. I mean, but yet we're doing this day after day after day, and now we got ourselves in a pickle where we're like broke. You know, I, yeah. 
I think we're I think we're at thirty four trillion now, or something. yeah, something like that. And we don't total debt. And they gotta they gotta raise it more. It's I mean, all... Why do you even call it a debt limit? It's not a debt limit. No, it's not. They should, right? they should just, get rid of just it. Stop with the nonsense of you know. All it is is political theater to make the Democrats look one way and the Republicans look the other. And well, hell, you that thing's gonna get lifted. It's well, gonna get lifted. So it's not even a limit. But you're you're our hope. You're you're educating the next group. You're educating the Maddie Webers of the world. I'm actually younger than Maddie. So you're going to make those guys straighten everything out. So we can all just live everything all straightened out. Well, it's up to you. That's it might be pretty messed up by then. <laughs> SP Futures down 12. NASDAQ is down 48. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.